Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers and season's eatings to you, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The culinary landscape is ever evolving, so you'll want to tune in every weekend because on this show, you'll hear from celebrity chefs and pastry aficionados, restaurateurs and molecular gastronomers, food bloggers and enthusiasts, cookbook authors, and more. Every week I dish on fabulous food and fine wine and spirits, on good health and living the best life. So I hope that you won't miss a weekend of delicious conversation with me. I do have lots of extra inspiration where I serve up seconds at chefjamie.com and you'll find my daily dish on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. So please become a friend. And if you've missed a show or you want to master a topic, you can always find my podcasts on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. So coming up, we have a full plate. In fact, you'll want to stay tuned throughout the hour. But first, it's my goal at the start of this show to share a technique or a tip or my best chef's tips to make you the best cook you know. And we are just days away from Thanksgiving. So let's talk turkey, shall we? The Thanksgiving turkey a labor of love. Whether you're having just a few gathered around your table or you're outside with a bigger group of friends and family, the roasting and the basting and the seasoning for the turkey day bird is really what sets the holiday apart from the rest, right? It has to look and taste terrific. However, achieving that is a challenge, even for great cooks. So, I have some of my best tips to share with you in two parts, in fact. I want to talk crispy skin and quick cooking. Your turkey shouldn't be challenging. And interestingly enough, whether you are celebrating with six or 60 people, the trend this year is a smaller turkey, in fact. And so you should be able to find a smaller bird than ever as they are being bred that way. And they should be truly tasty and delicious. I've always preferred a smaller turkey. And so this is my year. Now, When it comes to that crispy skin, first and foremost, whether you brine wet or dry, you want to plan in advance. And, you know, every Thanksgiving over the past many years, I have had the privilege of answering last minute turkey talk questions the morning of Thanksgiving. And I've gotten crazy questions like, um, my turkey is alive in the backyard. Now what do I do? Or, uh, there's always the common challenge of my turkey still frozen. Can you help? Uh, I can add a tip here and tell you that a frozen turkey takes 24 hours for every five pounds of turkey to thaw in the refrigerator. So please plan accordingly. But the most common question I get asked is, how do I achieve crispy skin? And so I will tell you, as I mentioned, whether you brine wet or dry, you'll need to plan in advance because the night before Thanksgiving, you want the turkey rinsed 
of course, thawed or fresh, and then rinsed and patted dry. Because you're going to place your turkey on a rack on a baking sheet and you're going to leave it uncovered in the refrigerator the night before Thanksgiving. The cold air from the refrigerator will dry out the skin. And no matter which way you cook it, you will get crispy goodness that is so delectable you will be a culinary hero. This idea of drying the skin out works for the perfect Sunday roast chicken as well. You do get crispy goodness and moist meat. And it's just a simple trick to be mindful of that really makes a difference. Now, when it comes to a quick cook on a turkey, you might be cocking your head to the side and thinking, what is she talking about? Well, let me tell you. It's actually all about the spatchcock. Yes. Over the last few years, I have been making a spatchcock turkey where the backbone is removed. I actually like to call it flat out because nobody likes that spatchcock word. (laughs) And I will tell you what I love about a flat out turkey. It cooks quicker. It gets super golden. You get crispy skin guaranteed and it tastes delicious because it's never dry. Now, it cooks more quickly because it's a butterflied version of a turkey, right? And you really do get perfectly cooked white and dark meat with this method. So the term spatchcock is the method of removing the turkey's backbone so that you can flatten out the body. And I will say that your butcher should happily do this for you or the butcher counter at your favorite uh, supermarket, of course. And the flatter shape ensures that the meat cooks evenly and more quickly. And the legs reach that safe temperature without ever overcooking the breast meat. Now, the result of a flat-out turkey is hands down to me the easiest, most reliable journey to a juicy, moist turkey with incredibly crispy skin. Now, the skin of a flat-out bird is all on top, right? So it will crisp up beautifully on its own, but I do suggest you use my overnight drying method in the refrigerator. And then, of course, there is the recipe. So I call it a flat-out herb and butter-basted turkey. What do you do, you ask? Well, you combine garlic and shallot and chives and sage and parsley and thyme and lemon zest in a food processor until it's smooth. And you add good copious amounts of salt and pepper to season well. And you take your flat out turkey and you lay it breast side up on a rack on a sheet pan. And you loosen the skin between the breast meat and you rub that herbaceous, delicious butter under the skin. And then you roast the turkey. High heat, by the way, 450 degrees for an hour and 15 minutes for a 12-pound bird, or until a meat thermometer reads the leg meat at 160 degrees for safety. And then you take the turkey out and let it rest for 15 minutes. And in an hour and a half, you have what might be the ultimate turkey. Now, I'd love to share the recipe with you. It's the bonus this week. It's my Thanksgiving gift to you, happily, actually. And so you'll need to email me, please. Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. I will gladly send you my flat-out herb and butter-basted turkey to make you a culinary hero and to make your Thanksgiving less stress because 
really, we've had enough stress this year, don't you think? Now, if you go to chefjamie.com and search make ahead gravy, you will get a make ahead turkey gravy that will wow you. Because I think that making turkey last minute is just loony, really. I make a base gravy, as I call it, and then I add those pan drippings from the turkey, no matter which way you roast it, right before I bring the turkey gravy up to a simmer and serve it. And I have to tell you, it's really out of this world. So print out my make-ahead turkey gravy recipe from chefjamie.com. And while you're there... You can always search for my Thanksgiving planner. That will give you everything you need from a week before up until day of, including shopping for non-perishables now and getting everything ready to make the day a delight. Because isn't that what we're all looking forward to? A celebration. That's the turkey talk for this week. But there is more because coming up, I'm really excited to welcome Bobby Flay to your radio coming up next Bobby is stopping by to dish on his favorite meal, and that is brunch. David Leet, my dear friend and an uber talent, is here of Leet's Culinaria, of course, and he is going to talk about brining. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio as we celebrate the season with fabulous food, fine wine, and more because a little celebration is in order. Grab a snack and come on back. Don't go away. There's lots more deliciousness coming up next. of food directly to your radio. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen. Okay, we're celebrating brunch today with a really big name. Are you ready? (laughs) If you're a fan of Bobby Flay's like I am, and of course uh, you watch him uh, religiously like we do in our house, then you know him for his skills at the grill. But you should also know that his favorite meal of the week is brunch. And so we have that in common, Bobby. I like breakfast, brunch, breakfast for dinner. And at long last, Bobby is sharing his simplest, most sought-after brunch recipes in his new cookbook release entitled Brunch at Bobby's. It is everything you could ever want out of brunch. 
and I am delighted that Bobby has stopped by to dish. Hey there, Bobby. How are you? Hi. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yes, of course. Thank you for being here. Okay, let's talk brunch because I've heard you say before you like a really big brunch, like a lot of food. Yes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that brunch needs to be somewhat abundant. Yes. Um, people, I, I just don't think that people go into brunch thinking, I'm not going to eat a lot. <laughs> I mean, you know, brunch is that brunch is that meal that we sort of we save up for at the end of the week, right? It's um, you know we've been working all week, and brunch really has very few rules, just a few guidelines. I mean, it starts when you feel like getting up, um, and it ends when you feel like ending it. It could be quick or it could last the entire afternoon, hmm. and uh, it almost always starts with a cocktail. So it's um, to me, it's certainly my my favorite meal of the week. <laughs> yes, and, and I have to agree. There's something. Uh, less guilt associated with brunch for me. Like, I think that I can eat to my heart's content because it's early in the day and, you know, you'll work it off later or that there is something wonderfully generous about a a family-style served brunch. And you, that's another concept I know you love. You like to put out all the food and then let everyone graze at their own pace, fill their plate, sit down, you know, relish in it. Yeah, I think that I think that family style eating at at, at home yes. um, when you're entertaining or whether you're just feeding your family or or it's a special event is the way to go because it mm-hmm. also gets you the cook out of the kitchen um, and and also it doesn't put any pressure on anybody so people can take more of what they really want and less of what you know maybe they're not interested in or don't eat yeah, exactly and um, and, I, and I think that that's I think you know. I do that for brunch, but I think I think sort of across the board, it's a really good rule, too. Yes, I agree. And I think it brings us all back to the dinner table, quote-unquote, only because it gathers us together. You mentioned a cocktail, a wonderful way to celebrate a brunch. And I love... By the way, the book is fabulous. I mean, you, you really, I know, put your all into a cookbook uh, because you can feel it turning the pages. They're the best of the best recipes. And we've seen you cook for so many years uh, <laughs> that... We know you have a, an extraordinary repertoire of recipes to choose from when you pack a cookbook full. I love the, the cocktail idea as a starter. Everyone loves a Bloody Mary bar, but I loved the Bellini bar, especially with the holidays upcoming. That's a really celebratory start. Yeah, it is, definitely. I mean, you know, Bellini's basically, um, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, uh, there's sparkling wine. You know, right. it could be Prosecco from Italy or Cava from Spain or Champagne from... France, of course, mm-hmm. um, or just sparkling wine from uh, from from, the, from from America, but yes. but then you, then you add different kinds of you know f- uh, fruit purees. You know the classic one is sort of um, the Bellini, um, the white peach Bellini that was invented in Venice mm-hmm. in, in in Italy, which is you know white peach and and prosecco. But you can so use, use things like passion fruit or. Um, you know, we do uh, like a blackberry or a blueberry uh, puree or even peach, and then maybe a tiny bit of um, other liquor uh, or like a liqueur to kind of pump up the flavor. So it could be one that's flavored by with blackberries or with, with, uh, with cherries or peaches. And then, of course, you have to garnish it with some fruit. So it makes it totally fun. Yeah, I love the idea. It's almost like it becomes a Bellini bar with a salsa bar attached because you put a... <laughs> no, it's like true. That. It's a Bobby Flay salsa bar for your Bellini because you've got lots of different fruit garnish choices and you can shop from the farmer's market and offer seasonally, whether it's the, the pomegranate seeds, the arils like you mentioned, and fresh blackberries. And it does. It becomes like a snack and a drink. Yes. 
Yeah, exactly right. Fruit snack and a drink. All in one. All in one. Um, okay. Uh, I cannot wait to make bourbon molasses butter. Right. I t- oh my god! I tend to, I, I plan to put that on everything, Bobby. You know, a lot of people have been talking to me about the bourbon <laughs> molasses butter, but you know, it goes really well on things like pancakes and waffles and French toast and things like that. But also, just like even on like cornbread or a biscuit, you know, uh, or a muffin or something like that, it makes everything taste great. Oh yeah! And what about using it as a um, benefit, uh, sort of a complement to a savory something? Could you spice it up and then use it on? Corn, or I mean, oh, for sure. You tend to add seasoning spices and you get that sweet, savory mix. Yes, absolutely. Even like, um, even like on a steak or some pork, it would work really nicely. Ooh, okay. Um, I heard from a friend, by the way, um, I've been a longtime fan and our paths have crossed before, but you've never been on my radio program. So I'm very delighted to have you. I have um, friends uh, in common, essentially. And someone told me that your favorite brunch recipe, and I'm not sure how they know this, is Bananas Foster French Toast, like Reign Supreme. Um, it's certainly one of them, for sure. Okay. I mean, but just think about, just think about that for a second. I mean, it's yeah, how French could it be Toast, bad? <laughs> and we go to New Orleans, right, for yes. Bananas Foster. That's and right. It's, you know, it's got, it's, it's just, you know, it's rum and it's bananas and it's brown sugar. And mm. I mean, it's, it's pretty decadent and yeah. it's certainly dessert for brunch. Yeah, for sure. And on the leaner side, the olive oil poached eggs with the crisp pancetta. That's, that's, that's another dish that a lot of people have told me they've made out of the book. Beautiful. Um, I love it. I mean, you get that really beautiful flavor of, of, of olive oil. Um, and you poach the eggs in it. It's very, very simple. And the mm. eggs come out beautifully when you poach them in the olive oil. And then you just put them on some toast with a little tomato relish. And it has like some mustard running through it. It's so good. So good. I really love the idea of olive oil poaching and have um, tested it a lot of different ways. Like I think a piece of salmon, especially yeah, olive fish. oil post, poached, Absolutely. is luscious. Really well. Yeah, really delicious. Um, and then I was inspired by the Moroccan eggs. Oh, yeah. I, that's like eggs in purgatory in the Italian style, right? You know, it, it, it actually, that's a, that's a really good way to look at it. You know, it's, um, it's, sort, of a, uh, it's sort of like a, a one-pot uh, egg dish, you know, because you, you sort of, everything goes in the pool. You know, you start with, you start with the sauce with, um, you know, with tomatoes and the, and the lamb sausage. Mm. Um, and then, you know, some of the spices, some of those, some of those Moroccan spices like harissa and all that, and then some fresh, fresh cilantro and parsley. And then you put the eggs in, you just kind of let the eggs and the goat cheese kind of melt together and, and cook. It's so oh, good. So good. Do you use Ras Al Hanout a lot? And one of the things I love about watching Beat Bobby Flay is that you always have a new spice in your back pocket, whether it's the, <laughs> no, it's true, the Korean chili paste or the... Calabrian uh, chilies or, yeah. Exactly. And I wonder, is, is the Ras Al Hanout your new uh, secret spice? Um, you know, Ras Al Hanout is, is actually a blend that is, that can be made up of, of almost anything. And in, in, in terms of like, when you go to, when you go to a place like Morocco, like Ras Al Hanout will be different in every community. Hmm. And so it's almost like their own sort of version of curry, you know, where um, they take the spices that they want to put together. So it's not necessarily, you know, one specific blend of spices, but right. it can be it can be a, sort of an array of spices. But, you know, you have like a lot of those sort of Moroccan spices running through it. So it's mm. the, that North African feel. Nice, nice, nice. You heard it here first, the new cookbook release from Bobby Flay. It's called Brunch at Bobby's. It is how Bobby Flay does brunch. And please stay tuned because there is more delicious conversation right after this. Don't go away. 
Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio and season's eatings to you. When I say that my goal is to feed your soul on this show, I often mean more than just with food. We dish on food and wine and travel, tech, and health here on the radio, and this next conversation is geared to make your holiday season easier to palate. We all know that the holidays are meant to be a joyous time full of gatherings and parties, but family issues and toxic topics can surface, no doubt, at those gatherings. So whether you struggle with heated political conversations or underlying family issues or just downright difficult conversations... Dr. Kathy Nickerson, a licensed psychologist, is here to help you navigate difficult dinner parties and family outings to make this truly the most delightful season. I am very proud to call Kathy my friend. We've known each other for many, many years. I get free advice over Chardonnay. She gets recipes when we meet for dinner. It's a very good friendship. Dr. Kathy is a licensed clinical psychologist and nationally recognized relationship expert who over the past 20 years has presented marriage and relationship advice around the world, all while authoring more than 85 professional articles and books. And Dr. Kathy has dedicated her career to helping couples strengthen and repair their relationships. She is personally invested in championing love for her clients. And she can dramatically improve your life, I believe, with her tools, information, and strategies. And so she is finally here to dish. And I am so glad, Kath, that you are gracing this show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm yes. so honored. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Um, please tell everyone what your family dinner table is like at the holidays. It makes oh. you so real. <laughs> Well, it's a lot of chaos, but it's wonderful, happy, blissful chaos. I, um, I frequently spend the holidays with my sister and her family, and she has two little boys that um, very rarely like to be fully dressed, so we um, frequently have a, a scene of, you know, running around, chasing after naked children, trying to, you know, force them to put on clothes. But it's a happy, beautiful scene with lots of great food. And uh, beautiful flowers and mm. some lovely wine. So I'm, I'm very blessed. Yes, and, and we all are. It's the challenging times, I think, personally, that tend to outshine the good ones. That's what you tend to remember. And so I'm grateful that you're giving us your best tips for navigating the season. Um, let's go one by one. Firstly, you say try to avoid super hot topics. And I'm all for that. Uh, let's leave politics out of dinner. You know, it's such a emotional topic, mm. and especially right now in our country. Um, I, I just think there's no reason to go there during the holidays. No reason to bring up something that's just going to, you know, probably devolve into a fight. So avoid really hot topics or anything that's really painful. Because, you know, mm. the, the reason we're getting together is to have nice moments, to create memories as a family, to feel good about each other. And if you're, you know, constantly pressing that, you know, pain button and bringing up something that's really uncomfortable or emotional or awkward, you're going to defeat the whole purpose of getting together. Yes, ex exactly. <laughs> um, I love that you say we should prioritize feelings over being right. I think that's the mindfulness you talk about a lot, about really being in the moment and conscious of 
what you're saying or what your intention is, right? There's no little magic elf that is going <laughs> to jump out and hand you a prize for being right. There's really no reward at all. So I tell people all the time, you know, don't, don't focus on being right because if you're focused on that, that means somebody else has to be wrong, and that doesn't feel very good. So we want to focus on, again, being kind and friendly and creating good moments, not on being right or, you know, buffing up our, you know, legal argument skills or proving <laughs> who's done the most research. We want to make people feel good. They're going to remember that much more than whether or not you proved your case about something. And you say reflect before you react. Easier said than done, Dr. Kath. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's really, really hard to do, you know, but if you can take a beat um, and just think about how do I want to act in this moment? You know, we all have family members that provoke us or bring up scandalous topics or say the wrong thing or, you know, talk about something, you know, serial killers in the middle of dinner. Right. Inappropriate. Totally. Totally. <laughs> right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do love all these, you know, serial killer shows, but I don't necessarily want to think about that when I'm cutting into a nice piece of, you know, filet mignon. Right. So, um, so I think it's really important that you just react really slowly and judge really slowly. And you don't, mm. you know, you don't have to attend every fight you're invited to, right? You don't have to constantly respond and react. You can let somebody say something inappropriate. You can sit there for a minute and nod your head and just think, who do I want to be in this moment? Do I want to be the person who yells and screams and escalates this and calls the other person a jerk? Or do I want to be the person who calms this down and creates peace for my family? And, you know, to the greatest extent that you can, I think, be the person who creates peace. Sometimes mm. you might not have a choice, but I think really try to slow down and react and act in ways that make you feel good and proud about yourself. I can tell you that rings very true to me. I'm very conscious of the fact that I always feel better about myself when I took the high road. And in situations when I could stay calm and be mindful, I left that scenario feeling better. And there's, there's tremendous power in that. You give lots of tips as to how to remain calm in wonderful ways. Um, you say, be helpful, stay out of trouble, fold napkins. I, I like this idea, right? If, if you're busy, then you have, what, less chance of going to the tough topic side? You know what? I will, I will just out myself here and say that I... I can be a little bit argument-prone from time to time, and mm. I finally realized that going down that path was really selfish, right? I, I don't have the right to, you know, blow up a holiday because I feel like I want to fight about politics, for example. Mm. So what I've learned to do is when I feel like, oh, I'm getting that urge, I want to say something, I want to, you know... I want to reach out and say, you know, that's not true, and I know it because blah, blah, blah. Right. What I do instead is I go clear the dishes. Hmm. Or, you know, I haven't, I haven't folded any napkins in a long time, but I will, you know, tidy up the living room, or I'll go do something and be helpful until that impulse passes, and then I will return to being with the family, and usually then the topic has moved on to something else. Yes, and then you can come back for pie. Yeah. Yes. Gotta come back for the pie. Must come back for pie. Everything is better over pie. Do you really bring a deck of cards to your family gatherings? I actually have one in my office and in my car. I'm that serious about it. Okay, because this is super smart. 
<laughs> I think you just, you have a better experience if you're prepared for things to go sideways. And mm. doing what I do and, you know, having been in a variety of interesting situations, I've just realized sometimes I need to shift gears in kind of an abrupt way. So if I bring out a deck of cards and, you know, I don't in the middle of a conversation just flop it on the table. But I will say when I feel like there's an appropriate moment, hey, you know what, why don't we go and sit over there and let's relax and I have some cards, let's play poker. My husband loves to play poker. So it's a, it's a good activity, it's, it's a good tool to have if you really need to change the energy of a situation. Yeah, I, I, I think it's very brilliant and a, a very small thing that can make a very big impact. Um, lastly, and this might be the most important on your tips for navigating the holidays, family, relationships, gatherings, and more, you say take care of yourself. If you've done a good job trying to make the event as positive and pleasant as possible, but it's just going sideways and there's nothing you can do and, you know, people are about to erupt into a fist fight, you don't you don't need to stick around for that. Hmm. Or if you're sitting at the table and, you know, you're, you've become kind of the verbal punching bag for your family, you don't need to stick around for that either. You give the best advice, Kathy, and it is always presented in a very thoughtful, warm, and very understandable way. And for that, I uh, commend you. And I can tell you once again, how proud I am to call you my friend. Thank you for sharing uh, very needed advice at the holiday season. I know that your table will be filled with feasting. uh, And I know it will be peaceful and, um, and poker laden. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure to have you on the radio. You can learn more from Dr. Kathy Nickerson's genius advice and expertise on her website at drdrkathynickerson.com. You can follow on social at Dr. Kathy Nick. And because she stays on trend with relationship topics and offers tips and advice via her blog, please check it out. Her pros are always insightful. Happy holidays, Kathy. Can't wait to see you soon. And thank you again. More delicious conversation to feed your soul coming up in your radio right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away. Delivering the world of food directly to your radio. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen here. Do you want to be a Thanksgiving god or goddess? Well, this man has the best tips, tricks, and recipes to make you a culinary hero on the most delicious day of the year. We are planning for a Thanksgiving feast, so stack the flavor cards in your favor and listen up. David Leet has a culinary lesson you don't want to miss. David is a three-time James Beard Award-winning food writer and the founder of LeetsCulinaria.com, where he shares hot food and dry wit. He's also the author of The New Portuguese Table and the very moving, honest, funny, and real memoir entitled Notes on a Banana. 
He is an expert on many things. His blog has been much adored for its deliciousness since 1999, and I am very proud to have him as a culinary contributor to this show. He's back with Thanksgiving inspiration from the simple to the sophisticated. David Leet is here to dish. Hi, so glad to have you back. How are you, David? It's, I'm doing well. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Jamie. Well, thank you. Okay, share your secrets. What's on your Thanksgiving menu? Is there a theme? Because oh I started planning. Well, there is somewhat of a theme. Um, I always do my Portuguese turkey with two stuffings. Oh. And uh, that comes from my family. And yeah. the, kind of the story behind that is that the turkey is presented or, or prepared very simply. It's just... You have a, an orange that you chop up, a lemon you chop up, some bay leaves, and you throw it inside. You sprinkle it with, um, on top you put some butter, you rub some butter, and then you sprinkle it with paprika and salt and pepper, and that's it. The secret and all the fun stuff happens in the two different dressings that go on the side. We don't put it inside, it's on the side. And when I was growing up, my godmother, who is a French-Canadian, always served this thing called French stuffing, which... Is it a, a misnomer because it doesn't go inside the turkey? But it had potatoes and it had pork and it had beef, and it was kind of a mashed potatoey, kind of chunky thing that was served on the side. And I always adored it. Mm. And my grandmother always made this bread stuffing that had chorizo, which is our Portuguese sausage, which has wine in it and paprika and tons of garlic, and it was very red, like brick red, because it had a lot of wine in it and paprika and garlic and mm. all these things. So you had this very bready one that's red, yeah. sort of white one that had meat in it. Well, I was in Portugal, and of course they don't celebrate Thanksgiving in Portugal, and I came across both dressings. They were in a turkey recipe, and I thought, isn't this amazing? So in my cookbook, I put both of them together, and so that is going to be the main say. That's going to be the centerpiece. Of that course. We're going to have. Of course. Now, wait, I'm going to stop you for a moment there before we move on to sides and sweets and all that good stuff. Because we had a, what I thought was very captivating and well received conversation about to brine or not to brine. Your Washington Post article that got a lot of attention. And we talked chickens and pork roast and those things that are often considered bettered by a brine. You do not brine your turkey at all. Do you do you dry brine? Do you salt rub? Do you uh, air dry? Do you well, prep? I air dry in the refrigerator just so I can get you know that wonderful pellicle that where it, it sort of dries and therefore you get this you get a much browner, wonderful, crispy skin. Yes, I will do that for twenty four hours. And the reason why I don't salt brine, it's it's silly. It's just tradition. No one hmm. salt, no one brined their turkeys when I was growing up. And sure. So I just the idea of doing that's kind of weird, and also it's very hard to find a container that that's lar- that is that large. I now, agree. We do have a cooler that we can use that we can keep outside. And we should just review. It means you take the turkey out of whatever package it came in, whether it came from the high end butcher and it's in a bag, or you bought a turkey, you know, from a. Uh, you know, from the meat section of your supermarket and you rinse it and clean it and put it on a rack on a sheet pan and you leave it open in the fridge. And it does, it does give you crispier skin. And I think it also seals in the juices when you roast. It's like the the simplest thing you can do to better your turkey. Because I think what happens is the skin, because it's, it's when, especially in those plastic packages, it's sitting in its own juice. In moisture, right. It's very moisture, and when it's in the refrigerator, 
refrigerator and the refrigerator is dry, it starts to dry out. And I think what happens is the pores of the skin start to close up a bit more too. Yes. So therefore, that holds in a bit more of the juice. We love your daily dish, but all of the deliciousness for Thanksgiving is posted at Leet's Culinaria, L-E-I-T-E-S, culinaria.com. Um, I always love when you come and share your passion, David. So thank you for sharing Thanksgiving with us. May your family and friends uh, just be filled with fabulous food and joy and all wonderful things this feasting holiday. Thank you, Jamie. And yes. you yours. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you can find a fabulous read uh, for family, food, and self-discovery at the heart uh, in the beautiful writing of David's most recent book, his memoir called Notes on a Banana. You can follow David on social at David Leet, L-E-I-T-E, and you can find recipes galore to make your Thanksgiving the best ever once again, at LeetsCulinaria.com. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of truly delicious conversation. I hope that it fed your soul and that you'll tune in every weekend as I plan to share with you lots more fabulous food. But don't go yet. It's my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for this week. As promised, it's a three-ingredient caramel pear galette. It's really just a rustic pie. And I have to tell you, with three ingredients, it's a rock star dessert, really. You need a prepared pie crust. Uh, You can even use the store-bought if you like. A few ripe pears and some really good quality caramel sauce. You roll out the pie dough to a round, rough round circle, and you transfer it to a baking sheet. And then you toss the pears with some caramel sauce and a big pinch of salt, and you arrange the pears in the center, and then you just fold the crust up over the edges, overlapping, leaving the pears at the center exposed, and you bake it for about 50 minutes at 375. You serve it with more delicious caramel sauce. And I have to tell you, it is truly super fabulous. I am posting my three ingredient caramel pear rustic pie, I'm going to call it, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen, where I hope that you will become a friend and a fan. And I will meet you here next weekend when there's lots more to dish on in your radio. If you're looking for my best turkey tips, visit chefjamie.com and please continue to eat well. Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.